verses 1 through 6, familiar to those that are Bible readers. Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. I want you to see the, the seriousness of this. We, we, under, we look at the book of Jonah and we think about the Sunday school story and we kind of bypass it and we think about the whale, but there's a man that's in there, in that story, and there's a God also that has something to do with that man. So let's, let's look at this in the Word of God this morning. Jonah chapter 1. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. For their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish, and went the opposite way, from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof, and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Notice it said from, not to the presence of the Lord, from, from the presence of the Lord. He's trying to escape God. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. And the mariners were afraid. They cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. If so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. Verse 6 is my, my key verse. We'll be focusing here. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. If so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And I want to preach on the title of a message this morning, A Wake-Up Call. A Wake-Up Call. I'm going to ask Brother Douglas, sir, would you please pray for the message? Amen. You may be seated. Recently, I set a reminder on my phone. A reminder is supposed to cause you to remember to do something. Set a reminder on my phone to call someone at five. Well, when five came, there was no alert. So I didn't call. So later on, I was going through my phone, and I, I saw the reminders there, and I looked, and I said, hey, there's that, that name of that person I was supposed to call. It came up in the reminder. I wonder why the alert didn't go off. And I looked, and I set it with the default for a.m. It was supposed to be p.m. I said, well, no wonder. <laughs> I missed that one. Okay, I messed that up. So we 
I've missed that reminder. Many times we miss reminders. We sleep through an alarm, an alert. A reminder is supposed to cause us to remember to do something. We have an, an alert, a sound that goes off, a warning sound, a notification that goes off that tells us what we are supposed to be doing. That we are supposed to be taking some kind of action. There have been reminders in your life and alerts that have popped up. And it tells you, hey, you're supposed to be doing something. Taking action on this situation. If you think about your life and being, a, being a, a, a screen all the time of these notifications that keep popping up in your life. To tell you that you need to change. You need to start doing something. You need to stop doing something. So we've all had those reminders, but do we listen to them? Do we take heed to them? If we're being warned that there is a threat or there is a problem, and of course we're in church, so we take this to the spiritual level. If we're being warned that there is some problem in our lives spiritually where, where our eternity is in hanging in the balance, where we're, we're just a step right there between either we're going to heaven because we're trying to do things right and get right with God, or we're going to end up in hell because we're not taking heed to the call that God is putting out there. We have to do something when God makes that call. The word alarm is a warning sound, but it comes from the French word alarme. The word alarme means to arms. It means to arms, a military term. That means pick up the weapons. It's time to go. It's time to take action. The enemy is here. And so let's do something about it. God has made that call to you. The enemy is right there at your doorstep. He is trying to take over your life, to take over your family, your household, your mind. He's trying to distract you with everything else so that he can destroy you. It's time to take up spiritual arms right now. So God has sounded the alarm. God has made the wake-up call. Will you take heed and answer it? Wake-up call. You may have heard this term before, but they use it in hotel and motel establishments. I remember years ago that I went to a hotel, and I remembered that, that they would give you a wake-up call. You hit the, the zero, call the operator, and tell them, I want to wake up at 5.30 in the morning. I have to be on the road at 6.30. I need a wake-up call. And so the operator was supposed to make a note. And then they were supposed to call you. So a wake-up call is something that we can use in order to get us going. There was one hotel chain that they had a commercial that said, Our beds are so comfortable that if you were to get a wake-up call, you would never even hear it. You wouldn't even wake up. Well, I don't know if I want to stay in a place like that <laughs> if I need a wake-up call. <laughs> I don't want to sleep through a wake-up call. We don't want to sleep through God's wake-up call either. 
And we see things in our lives. We see people in our lives that are going into eternity, lost and without God. And we may have been one of those. There may have been that. You were hanging out at a party. You were with somebody. And they were doing things and, and, and chopping up stuff and getting ready to snort it and everything. And you were right there with them and you were looking at it. Boy, they did that and they died right then and there. God had stopped you because you could have been that one. That could have been you that got all messed up. You could have got in that car with that person that was drunk driving and get ready to go down that road and flip over, but God, through, the, through circumstances, orchestrated something different for your life. God gave you a wake-up call. God's trying to save you. God's trying to do something. Will you take heed to the call? We have a man here called Jonah. Jonah, he had a wake-up call from God. If there was any, an example in the Bible where a man needed a wake-up call, Jonah was that man. Jonah is a real character. Now, why do I say that? Now, Jonah had a call, Jonah had a course, and Jonah had a call to wake up. So Jonah was a real man. Jonah had a call. I say that because there are some that are out there to say that the story of Jonah was a real you know, that there's no way that this big whale came and swallowed him up and that he lived through all of that. Ah, these things are fake and phony. Don't believe that. If it's in the Bible, it's true. If it's in God's Word, it's true. And if you need any more reason to believe it, Jesus talked about it. And we believe Jesus, amen? We believe Jesus. He's the only way to get to heaven, the only one that died on the cross for our sins and went down to hell, suffered three days, three nights, rose from the dead. He's victorious on the throne at the right hand of God. He's sitting there right now interceding for you. Jesus talked about Jonah being in the heart of the, 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 the fish, but really in the heart of the earth for three days. And he had even associated himself with Jonah that Jesus was going to be down in the earth three days and three nights suffering for you. So we can believe the Word of God, and we can believe Jesus, that Jonah was a real person. The book of 2 Kings talks about Jonah. Jonah is there in 2 Kings 14. The Bible says that he was a prophet to a, a king called Jeroboam. Jonah was more of a spiritual advisor at that time. Now, he's supposed to be a prophet. What was the job of the prophet? The prophet was supposed to come and tell the people that they were not right with God and that they needed to come to God. Jeroboam needed to get right with God, but what did Jonah do? Jonah went out there, according to 2 Kings, he went out there and told them that God is going to enlarge your borders. Great. Well, Jonah, why didn't you tell him he needed to get right with God? So we put Jonah in question marks. Hmm. And then Jonah preached the truth to Jeroboam. The Bible tells us later on that Jeroboam was a wicked king, and he, and he caused the children of Israel to sin. So Maybe Jonah could have avoided that, but Jonah didn't say anything. When the time comes, you may have to tell somebody, hey, what you're doing, God doesn't like. What you're doing, God does not approve of. God doesn't look highly upon your attitude and your actions and, and where you went last night. God does not like that. You may be able to change that person's life. But we're talking about a wake-up call, a wake-up call. So God called Jonah to go and preach in this place called Nineveh. These people from Nineveh, the Ninevites, 
they were some bad dudes. They would bury people alive. They were scary. One report about them is that when they had enemies, that they would get them and they would bury them in sand and the only thing that would be left would be their head. That they would put a a hot poker through their tongue. And while they were there, they would interrogate them and get whatever information out of them that they could. And then they would just leave them there. The sun would bake them and the person would go mad before they died. And that was just one of the things that they did. They would skin people alive. They would put people on top of these large stakes and they would impale their bodies on them. These were some bad dudes. And not only that, they were enemies to Israel. So Jonah was a Hebrew, was an Israelite, and it had been reported that some of them had went up into the northern part of the kingdom. And they were up there terrorizing, and they may have gotten to the place where Jonah was from. And so when God told Jonah to go out there and preach to them that they needed to get right with God, Jonah went the opposite way. Jonah went a different way. Why? Because he hated them. Jonah had unconverted places in his life. He was supposed to be a prophet. He was supposed to be following God, the one true God that created all things by the word of his power. But there was something in Jonah's life that he had not yet dealt with. He had not yet dealt with that hatred in his life. He had not yet dealt with that fact that, oh, these guys, these are my enemies. That's why Jesus came in and he said, love your enemies. Pray for them that hate you, those that despitefully use you and persecute you. They say hate, I say love. Love is not an easy thing until you come to God. Even then, you have to get yourself to God and keep on praying, keep on searching after God, keep asking God to do something in your life. God, come into the unconverted parts of my life, oh God. There may have been a time when you prayed and you gave your life to God. Maybe it been years ago that you said, okay, God, I want you to do something in my life. I don't want to end up like my classmates. I don't want to end up like my drunk uncle. I don't want to end up like that one that's in that grave right there that I used to know and used to run around with. God, I want you to do something in my life now. You may have prayed that prayer and said, God, help me. Then maybe you walked away from God, and you're here this morning. So you may have given your heart to God then, but there are unconverted places in your life. There's places where you have not let the Son of God warm up your heart and and let your heart be be shining through the glory of God and the grace of God and be able to take those things in your life that are not right between you and God. That's what was wrong with Jonah. He had parts of his life that he had not yet fully surrendered unto God. He needed a wake-up call from God in order to let him know there's things in your life you still need to deal with today. so he went the opposite way. (laughs) He thought he could get away from God. But what was the problem? That God was still trying to save. That God's still trying to save, even though the prophet went the wrong way. Even though he was doing something else, God still wanted to save those people. God so loved the whole world 
There's no need for all the division because God so loved the world. He loved everybody, every race, every color, every tribe, every tongue. That's when you come to this church and you look around, you see all kinds of people in here. You see people from different countries and and you see people sitting together that are different colors. Why? Because when you get to heaven, there's not going to be one section for the black, one section for the white, one section for the yellow and the green and everything else. It's one God, one people, one blood that was shed for everybody to come under God through Jesus. And so God wanted to save those wicked sinners. We were talking about this yesterday. Is there one sin that's greater than any other sin? No, they're all the same. If you hate and you don't get right with God, you still end up in hell. If you drink or you smoke and don't get right with God, if you, if you want to be committing homosexuality, you still got to come to God and let God clean you up. It's all the same before God. Now, God loves, but God wants you to cleanse your life. God wants you to get out of the filthiness of the flesh. He wants you to give your life to him through Jesus. Luke chapter 13, Jesus talked about this. He said, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. There were some, as we're talking about a wake-up call, there were some, some men that had went out. This was over in Jerusalem under the time of Jesus Christ. There were some men that, that went out, and they wanted to go out there and protest the, the Roman government. Came out there, and they were out there in the crowd protesting. And Pilate was the governor at that time. Now, Pilate is the same one that had Christ crucified later on. So they were out there protesting, and Pilate sent out some of his soldiers, put them in civilian clothes. And while those men from Galilee, while they were out there protesting, Pilate gave the orders, and those those Roman soldiers had killed those men that were out there protesting. And so they asked Jesus about it. They said, were these guys more sinners than anybody else? Jesus said, no. He didn't want to get into the politics. He said, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Jesus brought it back to the soul. He brought it back to the the real meat of the matter. It's not the fact that the church is too far away or that I don't have time or I've got something else to do. It's the fact that we need to come to God and make things right with God. We don't want to look at ourselves. We don't want to look at our situation and say, it's all messed up. I got to get it right. That's the thing that keeps us from coming to church and coming to God. We have to look at our lives and say, oh God, it's ugly. It's nasty. I don't want to do it anything about it right now, but we have to. We have to deal with the situation. It's a wake-up call. And so there were some others. Jesus, they asked Jesus, what, well, what about these other guys? And there was a tower that fell on 18 people, and they died. They said, well, these guys, Jesus asked, were these guys worse sinners? Jesus said, no. Luke chapter 13, verse 5, and we'll emphasize it again. Except you repent, except you listen to the wake-up call, you shall likewise perish also. It doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how much tithe you pay. It doesn't matter how much you come to church. If you don't repent and get right with God, you shall likewise perish also. talking to somebody yesterday, and I don't, I don't want to give too many details here. They, I don't know, but I was talking to somebody yesterday. They had been dating this guy. It's like they've been dating this guy. She asked me a question. She said, what do you do 
when you find out that you're somebody's side chick. So what? So she's dating a married man. He had not said anything. So she finds out she's the second girlfriend. She said, what do you do? I said, hmm, this wasn't in my Bible school notes, okay. Hmm. I asked her, are you a Christian? I said, yes, I'm a Christian. Then you have to cut off the relationship with him immediately. This guy's not being honest with his own spouse. He's not going to be honest with you. I went online, and I, and I tried to look that up. What do you do when you find out you're somebody's side chick? So what's the advice out there in the world today? One of them said, live it up. Let them come on over. Make surprises, all these other things. I said, no, we're living in a world that's all messed up, that wants to live in the flesh. And Don't get your advice from the Internet, people. Don't go out there listening to everybody else. Don't get it from Vogue magazine, People magazine, Teen magazine. Get it from the Word of God and somebody that knows God for themselves. Because you want to be on your way to heaven. So one, one, one it, was, it was like 13 years or 14 years old. I said, maybe there's some conventional wisdom in there. And, and, and the first piece of advice was cut that dude off. And number six was get a life. Get a life outside of that joker. Get a life. Find something else to do. Find somebody that's going to love you and going to love God. Amen. Ladies, there's somebody out there for you that'll love God and that'll live for God. You just got to keep on coming to church and ask God to help you and pray and seek God's will. God will send somebody your way. Because God don't play side to nobody, amen. God's a jealous God. God said, I want all of you. I want everything. I want all your heart and mind and soul. I don't want the devil coming in your life and you're spending time with him and drinking with him and everything else. I want all your love and everything else. Why? Jesus said, I gave my best for you. I gave you everything. I laid it all out. I paid it all. I've got a big old house set aside for you. I've done everything. I want all your hearts. Don't lose your opportunity to have the greatest relationship that you could ever have. So Nineveh had its problems, but it had a prophet to go out there to it. But Jonah, next thing that happened was what? Jonah changed course. Jonah changed course. So Jonah went down. Maybe you've heard this before. Jonah went down. So Jonah was supposed to go one direction. He went the totally opposite direction. He went the other way. So he went down to Joppa, down in the ship, down into the sea, down into the fish. Disobedience always takes you down. Always, every time. And when God is dealing with you, that God is talking to you, God is dealing with your heart. Disobedience always, every single time, it takes you down the wrong path. It's the same thing as the, as the sin of witchcraft the Bible talks about. It's rebellion to God. It's the same thing. And so his disobedience took him down. He had to pay his own way to go down there. And so Jonah went down. And let's not focus on the fish. Let's focus on the man that disobeyed God. 
Let's focus on that. Here's something that, here's something that happened to me. So I was in the Army, and I talked about this a little bit Thursday. So I was in the Army. I got saved when I was 16. When I was 16, somebody told me, you need to get saved. And God came into my life. I went and prayed the prayer of salvation. I gave my heart to God, and God had started moving in my life. I began to know who God was. I began to figure out that, that God was a reality and that I wanted to give my heart to God. And whatever God had for me, I wanted to receive that. And I was 16. I wish somebody would have told me about God sooner. So I joined the Army, and I got away from church. And so I started disobeying God. And I'll, I'll confess, I started listening to rap music. I hadn't not necessarily listen to that before. I grew up in Chicago, you know, and we talk about that, you know, that thing I was just talking about not too long ago. You know, R. Kelly, he was a hometown hero, so we listened to a lot of his music, you know, different things growing up. When I got saved, I started listening to different music. I started listening to gospel music. I changed my clothes. You know, God was dealing with me. The things I used to do, I didn't do them anymore. I stopped going to the club. I mean, God was a reality in my life. He became real to me. My, the friends that I used to have, I mean, even, even the fact of what I used to do, my parents were even, what, what is going on? You're going to church now? I mean, we didn't even, we didn't go to church growing up, just a little bit, but we stopped going to church for years. And so I joined the army and I got away. Somebody invited me out to church again. It was just the grace of God, because I wasn't even trying to go to church really, but it was just the grace of God that somebody invited me back to church so I gave my heart to God again. I was 18. So in doing that, I got filled with the Holy Ghost a couple of days later. You need the Holy Ghost, amen. If you've not heard about the baptism of the Holy Ghost, keep on coming, amen. Keep coming around. Come back tonight. I'm going to preach the rest of the message tonight, amen. But keep on coming. Let God deal with your heart and with your soul. Ask God to fill you with the Holy Ghost. If you want to obey God and live for God and, 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 and hear that wake-up call that you need, a right life with God, you need to get filled with the Holy Ghost. So I got filled with the Holy Ghost. And then I don't know what it was that came over me. My brother asked me, because he used to pick me up. I didn't have a car. My brother asked me, he said, hey, you going to church? I said, no, I'm taking a break. I pulled a Jonah. So I'm going the opposite direction of what I should go. So I'm taking a break, maybe about a week or so. So I was in my, in my room in the barracks. And I was just, before I talked about this Thursday, before I got saved, there was this girl that I was trying to date. And she never had any time for me. I told that brother that I needed a break. I was in my room in the barracks. And I got a knock on the door. It was her. Say, hey, you want to go out? Okay, sure. She left a couple minutes later, maybe not even a minute later, there was another knock on the door. I thought it was her coming back. It was another brother from the church coming to pick me up. He didn't know I was on break. <laughs> he saw her leaving my room. Now, how did that look? I'm supposed to be a Christian on my way to heaven, filled with the Spirit of God, and nothing can overcome me. I'm an overcomer in the name of Jesus. I serve the God of heaven who can do all things and keep us from sin. And here's this girl walking out of my room, and he saw her. 
So he went back and told the pastor. You know he told pastor, right? <laughs> I know he told pastor. I know because pastor told me. So I went out with the girl. It, it was terrible. I mean, it was just terrible. You know, and then the girlfriend that I had also in another city, she called me while I was on the date. Wow, mm. yeah, I'm doing real good right now. Yeah, a wake-up call, right? I needed to get right with God. So I got back to my room, and I just shook my head. I said, God, I'm all messed up in sin. I, I need to get right with you. <laughs> so I went back. I went back to church. Now, that was, on, that was on a Monday. I went back on Thursday. I went back. You know, and I got back and I prayed and I got things right again. Let me tell you that when, when you first gave your life to Christ and you got saved, that was the first instance that you had an experience with God. That you came and you prayed that prayer of salvation. You asked for God's mercy and the blood of Jesus Christ to wash your sins and to make you fully whole. What does the Bible say? He whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Amen. But you may have to come back and make it right. You can always come back and make it right. You've got to pray and realize that God sent you a wake-up call to come back and make it right. And so I was there, and it was a little bit later, and the pastor said, Brother, it was right after the prayer meeting, he said, Brother, do you remember when you skipped church and go out with that girl? I said, yes, sir. He said, I was praying for you. Yes, sir. He said, I was praying that you would have a horrible time. <laughs> so that you would realize that you needed to come back to church and get right with God. And so I'm going to let you into this preacher's prayer. I'm going to let you into this pastor's head and tell you that when you miss church, I pray that you have a horrible time. I pray that you feel that conviction. I pray that you feel that you need to come back to God. And when you're out there like Jonah, going the opposite direction of what you need to go, and when you know it's time for church, and when you know you should be praying, and when you know that you should not be in line like Jonah. Think about this. Jonah, when he went down to that ship, he had to stand in that line, and he had to pay for that ticket. And when you're standing there in that line paying for that alcohol, when you're standing there in that line in the club, when you're standing there in that line for the restaurant with somebody that you're not married to and you're already married, when you're standing there in that line with that person, I'm praying for you that you have a horrible time, that the storm comes your way that you come back here to the house of God and you get right with God. That's this preacher's prayer today. Imagine that if we could see that, if we could see everybody that's come and give themselves to God and come back here and get right with God, that they come up here and fill up the altar space, that you come up here and pray and you seek God and you begin to see your family come. You begin to see your friends come, people that you grew up with, and you tell them about what Jesus has done in your life, that they begin to come here to this church. They begin to feel the love of God. They begin to see that their life can be changed, that the sin in their life it can be washed away and taken away because you decided you would answer the wake-up call and get right with God. That's this preacher's prayer today. 
I invite you to come and experience that this morning and experience what God wants to do for you. Jesus has talked about that. Are you still sleeping? You can come up to the, to the piano. Are you still sleeping? The disciples, they were out. And Jesus is getting ready to make the great sacrifice. He was going to sacrifice himself on the cross of Calvary. And now he was out there in the Garden of Gethsemane. You could read about it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But towards the end of, of, I believe it was Mark, where Jesus was out there praying, and the disciples had went to sleep. And the hour that he needed them, they went to sleep during the time of prayer. Jesus asked them, are you still sleeping? So I asked you this morning, are you going to sleep through your wake-up call? I've called the operator, J-E-S-U-S, I've dialed the number. And he is calling right now. He's calling you. If you hear that, will you answer? If you hear the call this morning to come up, because I'm going to have you come up and pray. I'm going to have you come up, and, and, and if you never prayed before, you need help praying, We'll have the Christians come on up also and help these people pray. Well, I'm going to invite you to come up here and pray. Answer the call this morning. Answer that call this morning. Or will you be like those disciples that Jesus had talked to? Are you still sleeping? Are you sleeping right through the most important part of history? That was the most important part of history when Jesus was at the Garden of Gethsemane. He was getting ready to drink that cup of our sin and make that great sacrifice for you and I at that cross of Calvary. And those disciples who went to sleep. And this today, right here, right now, in this service, in October, on this Sunday morning, October 9th, this is the most important part of your history. Will you sleep through this important part this morning? I trust that you won't, but that you'll give your life to God this morning. Let's begin to pray this morning. And as you pray, think about that, J-E-S-U-S. I've called and asked him to wake you up today. Lord, will you wake them up today? Will you wake them up right now, oh Lord? Send out that call for them. Lord, and if they're one step away from hell, Lord, will you call them and stop them? Lord, will you help them, oh Lord, put away that alcohol? Lord, we help them put away the drugs, put away the anger, put away the, the relationship, put away the false image that they've been portraying in their lives. Lord, let them put away that. Stop worshiping the things of this world, putting you on the side, Lord. Help them to make you everything. Help them to make you their all in all this morning. Help them to take Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and let their sins be washed away in the blood of Jesus Christ. Let them find a place in heaven. Lord, wake them up today. God, that's my prayer. Let them know that you are there in Jesus' name. Make a way for them to come to the altar this morning. There's somebody out there that heard that wake-up call. Come on down here to the altar today. Come down here and pray. I'll help you pray if you need it. There's some Christians out there. Christians can come too. As Reverend Love said, I believe that when the Christians come down, other people are encouraged. So come on down, Christians. Come on and pray. Don't be ashamed. Come down here and get to God this morning. God's calling you. The Waymaker is here today. He made a way for you to 